Hello and welcome to Practicing English. And these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels or IELTS from levels 4 to 7 or for those students who just want to improve their general English. Hello again and welcome back to Practicing English and it's Friday so that means it's story day and today I'm going to read to you from my own book which is called The Tudor Conspiracy Progressing from B1 to B2 English Reader. This book is suitable for B1 students who are trying to obtain a B2 level. Now, this book is available on all Amazon sites by M.A. Bilbra. M.A. Bilbra is the author. That's me. And today I'm going to read you the first chapter and every Friday I'll read another chapter. So, if you do buy the book, then you'll have an audio script which you can follow as well while you are reading. Now, what I'm going to do is to give you seven words from the glossary and I'm going to give the definition of these words and these words occur in the first chapter. And what I want you to do is to listen and if you can, write down when they happen or who they happen to or where they happen or why. So, it's just to write down some context to these words as a listening exercise while you are listening to my uh, reading of this uh, first chapter. So, the words are complexion, complexion, C-O-M-P-L-E-X-I-O-N and uh, the complexion or your complexion is the natural colour and condition of the skin on a person's face. So, you can have a fair complexion or a dark complexion, for example. The second word is draught, spelled D-R-A-U-G-H-T, and that is a flow of air in a room or confined space. So, usually if you're in a room and you feel a draught, it's uncomfortable, a cold draught, for example, and it's uncomfortable and you don't want to sit in a draught. Third word is filthy, filthy, which means very dirty and unpleasant. Something which is filthy, uh, for example, um, a, a room that hasn't been cleaned for a long time uh, would be filthy, perhaps, with a lot of dirt. Okay, internship, and this is a word which is specific to students. And it's a period of time when a student receives practical experience in a job, an internship. And the next word is a verb, a phrasal verb, to make out. And that means to look at and recognize something that is not clear. Okay, to make out something that you can't see very well 
but you can perhaps distinguish certain parts of it, and that is to make out. And another one is jet, and this is a color, jet black. Where does it occur in the text? Jet, spelled J-E-T. And the last one is shiver, a verb to shiver, and it is to shake a little because you are cold. So if you're outside and you're feeling cold, you tend to tremble slightly. So that's to shiver. S h i v e r. Right. So that's the words. Let's get on with the story. The Tudor Conspiracy by M. A. Bilbrough. This recording is copyright. Chapter One: Isabel. Isabel's alarm clock rang, and she woke up immediately. It was five forty-five in the morning. She sat up in bed, pulled the curtain open, and looked out. It was dark outside, but in the light of the orange street lamps, she could see rain. Raining, again. For a moment, Isabel thought of April days in her hometown of Seville. They were warm and bright days, not like here in England. Isabel reached down for her slippers, without putting her feet on the floor. She was suspicious of the carpets which covered the floors in all the rooms of the house. She sometimes wondered if anything lived in them. Why did the English have so many carpets when it was impossible to clean them properly? She made her way to the bathroom and switched on the light. Then she turned on the hot tap in the bath, and water began to pour out of the shower. It would be about two minutes before the hot water started to come through. Meanwhile. She looked at her face in the mirror, and thought her skin looked very pale. In fact, Isabel had quite a dark complexion. Her long, thick hair was jet black, and her eyes were large and dark brown. Before coming to England, she had thought she would look very different from the English, and people would look at her in the street. However. As soon as she had arrived in London, she realized that the capital city in 1997 was very cosmopolitan. It was made up of many different nationalities, some of them dark, so she did not look exceptional. Once somebody asked her if she was from India. At first, Isabel was amazed that anyone could confuse her. With being from such an exotic and distant country. After that, she had observed the Indian girls walking past her in the street, and now saw the resemblance. Isabel had a grant from the Erasmus program. This is money given to students to help them to study or to get work experience in another European country. At Seville University. 
Isabel was studying for a degree in English literature and philology. She was now in her fourth year. She wanted to be a researcher of historical texts and especially enjoyed the plays by William Shakespeare. The job Isabel had found in England was not exactly what she had wanted. She had looked for a position with a research project in a university, something to do with studying original manuscripts, but she could not find anything. In the end, she took an internship in an antique bookshop. The bookshop owner, Mr. Fanshaw, was an academic and a clever man, and Isabel thought she could learn a lot from him. She had been working there for five months now, one more month than she would finish and go back to Seville to continue her studies. After dressing in her warmest clothes and devouring a quick breakfast, Isabel was ready to leave. She opened the front door and looked out. It was 6.30 and time to leave. The train was due in 15 minutes and it usually took her 10 minutes to walk to the station. She stepped outside and heard the raindrops fall heavily onto her umbrella. She locked the door behind her and set off quickly for the station. It was beginning to get light now, but the rain refused to let up. Isabel stood on the cold and windy platform of Welling Garden City Station. What a pretty name, Garden City. And sometimes it was pretty. The town had many gardens, parks and green areas where you could sit on sunny days, and watched the people go by. It had large and elegant houses called townhouses, which gave the area an air of wealth and prosperity. Isabel was lucky. She had rented a smart townhouse near the centre of the town, a house with a garden full of flowers, a well-kept lawn, and a fish pond. Yes, Welling Garden City was definitely attractive on sunny days. It was ten to seven on that chilly, wet morning. Isabel tied a tighter knot in her scarf in an attempt to keep the draught out. Then she looked for more buttons to do up on her jacket, but could not find any. A Shakespeare quote came to her mind one of many she knew from her extensive studies in English literature. This one was from King Lear, the play about the mad king outside in a terrifying storm. Blow winds and crack your cheeks. The train finally pulled in at the station, late, at seven o'clock, and Isabel was relieved to get on. She found an empty seat by the window. She folded her umbrella, took off her jacket and put both on the luggage rack above her head. The train was practically full of people going to work. Everybody looked tired and from the glum expressions on their faces appeared to be in a bad mood. The train pulled sleepily out of the station 
and the rain started to drip onto the windows. Through the filthy glass, Isabel could see it was quite light now, but could make out little else. Just half an hour and the train would be in London. She felt the warmth of the train carriage heating envelop her body, and she closed her eyes. She woke up suddenly. People were moving about and getting up. Doors were opening and closing, and freezing air blew around the train carriage. The loudspeakers on the platform shouted angrily. This was London King's Cross, the last stop on the line. Isabel reached for her jacket and umbrella and stepped outside into the cold April morning air once more. The journey did not finish here. Isabel had to get the tube or underground train. She knew the way very well. It was just a matter of following the crowds of people all going in her direction. She followed like a robot. First onto the Piccadilly line, and then four stops until she reached Leicester Square. She could not fall asleep now, or she would miss her stop. At Leicester Square, she walked out onto Charing Cross Road. It was raining heavily now. Isabel put up her umbrella, which suddenly looked ridiculously small and would offer very little protection. She ran all the way to the bookshop, resigned to the fact that she was going to get wet, and there was little she could do about it. When she arrived, she pushed open the door, which rang a little bell, and almost fell inside. The rain was dripping off her, and she was breathing heavily. The first thing Isabel did was to take off her wet jacket. She hung it on a hat stand next to the door. A hat stand, thought Isabel, which looked exactly like the one in the James Bond films. She folded her ridiculous umbrella and dropped it dripping into the umbrella stand. Then she pulled her long black hair forward and squeezed it. Drops of water fell onto the wooden floor. I need a bigger umbrella, she thought. Isabel looked down at her boots, which she wore over her jeans. They were wet on the outside, but inside her socks felt dry. Isabel was also wearing a woolen jumper, which fortunately was still dry. It was cold in the shop, so she decided to keep her scarf on. There was a light in the bookshop, one single ugly light bulb, without a shade, hung from the ceiling. Now, with the door closed, the shop seemed like another world, far removed from the different reality outside. There was a deep silence mixed with the smell of hundreds of books, arranged not very neatly onto shelves, just wood and paper. Mr. Fanshawe, Isabel called softly, are you there? Still the silence. After a while, a door at the back of the shop slowly opened. A grey haired man looked through the gap. Good morning, Mr. Fanshawe, said Isabel. Lovely weather, isn't it? 
She smiled shyly at her joke. Good morning, Isabel, said Mr. Fanshawe, and smiled back. His voice was pleasantly sonorous. Your hair? Shall I bring you a towel? You look wet. Isabel sometimes wondered if he ever realized what was happening outside the little world of his own shop. No, I'm fine, really. Just a little rain this morning, that's all. Then she shivered. But shall we put the heating on? It's a little cold in here. Isabel knew her boss often did not think of the most obvious things. Please forgive me. Of course, of course. I'll put it on straight away, he said, and bent over to plug in an antiquated electric heater. Mr. Fanshawe was a tall man, very English, Isabel thought. He was probably about seventy years old and quite handsome with clever green eyes and an ironic smile that made him look even more English. His first name was Arthur, but Isabel always called him Mr. Fanshawe, and he seemed to like it. He usually wore a tweed suit, an open waistcoat and tie, but his clothes looked very old-fashioned. Isabel wondered if he ever ironed them. They were always a little crumpled. Mr. Fanshawe lived alone in a flat above his bookshop, which had a simple name, Arthur's Antique Bookshop. Isabel had never seen his flat, but she imagined it would be very untidy and probably not very clean. Isabel had learnt that Mr. Fanshawe's wife died many years ago and he had never remarried. She had also learnt that he had two children. He told her they had set up a rock band and lived from singing in gigs while touring around the country. Mr. Fanshawe had shaken his head when he said this and looked at her with one of his ironic smiles. Would you like a cup of tea, Isabel? Mr. Fanshawe asked gently. Oh, yes, please. That would be nice, she answered. Fortunately, Isabel liked tea. She had never drunk it in Spain, but she enjoyed Mr. Fanshawe's aromatic teas, Darjeeling and Earl Grey. A fold-away table was kept hidden between two bookshelves, and Mr. Fanshawe now took it out and set it up. Then he pulled away some books and took out a cracked porcelain teapot, two cups and saucers, teaspoons, a glass jar of powdered milk and a yellow tin of tea. From behind some more books he produced an electric kettle, which, after checking that it still contained sufficient water, he plugged in next to the heater. They pulled up two chairs around the table and soon they were sitting with two cups of steaming tea in their hands, the same ritual every morning. Isabel smiled. She liked this tea ritual. There was something almost sacred about it. She felt comfortable with Mr. Fanshawe. He was a kind man and always extremely polite and respectful to her. She trusted him. 
He sometimes asked her general questions about her life and family in Spain, but nothing very personal, nothing that would make Isabel feel uncomfortable. The tea ceremony was a time to discuss the subject of books or the details of the day's schedule. And that is the end of chapter one. For the answers to the vocabulary, you can look on the website practicingenglish.com on the link that you'll find below. Come back for chapter two next Friday. Bye for now. 